Welcome, friends, to the Soul Talk podcast, a show where we explore and uncover the path to the heart, amplifying your conscience. Join me as we meet incredible souls who are in this journey and learn from their experience and different methods that will make you vibrate your heart. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. This is Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love, and today we're in Soul Talk, and we have a very special guest that I just met and I felt that connection with her. Her name is uh, Nancy Agnes. I might pronounce her wrong. Agnes. Agnes. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) My first language is Spanish. And sometimes I have that difficulty. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you a little bit who she is. Nancy is inspired so, uh, so purpose to help others show up in their lives whenever in her role as an educator, consultant, assistant principal, or institute cons- uh, counselor, so, uh, uh, telepathy that we're going to be asking more, wisdom speaker or writer, she helps others to become the truly empowered to reach their higher selves. She believes uh, that uh, when people are living inspired with their lives, in turn inspire others around them. And I totally agree with that. If you hate your job, you're not going to give the best on it, on anything mm-hmm. that you do. Even if you have the worst salary in the inspired job, you're going to give your best. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you so much, Nancy, for being here in Soul Talk. I really appreciate your your the, your invitation. Uh, you're accepting my invitation. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It was so lovely to meet you. Like you said, I I met you just the other day, and I felt an instant connection. So uh, when you invited me, I was like an instant yes. Of course, <laughs> let's connect. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Tell us a little bit more about you and how. What do you mean with soul telepathy? All right. So I call it soul telepathy um, because for one, I don't really know what else to call it. So I'm a channel, um, but I don't channel um, like some people channel spirits or their medium or things like that. I have a gift of being able to channel what your own soul is trying to tell you. So I was given a gift um, through a dream, actually. And um, in the dream, the being said that they were giving me the gift of telepathy, which at first I didn't understand because I thought of telepathy just as like mind reading. And then I, I was I was already, you know, experimenting a bit with tea leaf reading and um, other forms of, you know, kind of intuitive counseling. And I've always been very uh, empathic, like just um, connected that intuitive side. And then I found that uh, I just started getting information like uh like downloads from people where you know as i tapped into the different chakra areas i would get information as to what was going on and so as i started doing my readings they started to evolve into channeling where i channel what their soul is trying to tell them and what's interesting and where sort of the mystical comes in i don't do divination i can't tell you what's going to happen in the future even the teacups that i do they're not divination um, but what happens is that I'm given information from your soul. Your soul tells me, um, you know, a, an event from your past or an event that recently happened that is directly affecting the decisions you're making right now. And that's the part that gets sort of mystical where people are, you know, how do you know that? You know, it's like, 
because your soul told me, you know, um, because sometimes like, and, and people worry, like when I say that, that it's going to drag up stuff from their past. It's only what's most relevant at this moment in time. I very much believe that our souls are constantly evolving. We've chosen to come back in this timeline, in this situation, even to the families that we were born into. And sometimes that's tricky. When we've had difficult upbringings, people are like, I didn't choose this. Well, on some level, on some soul level, we chose it in order to learn what we needed to learn or to teach so that we had these experiences that we can in turn teach. And, you know, sometimes that's difficult to accept, right? Especially when things are traumatic, but it can give meaning and purpose to some of the trauma too, in that if we chose this, if we chose to have these experiences so that we can in turn learn, evolve our own souls, and then perhaps teach and guide others, you know, it gives meaning and purpose to some of the challenges that we go through. But, um, you know, our souls are are helping us to evolve through our learnings, you know, and, and one thing I get often is, um, you know, in the third eye, when I'm, people are asking me about their intuition, it's like, but I had such a good feeling about this guy. And it's like, yes, because it was exactly the thing you needed to learn. <laughs> it was, you know, it wasn't a good situation, but it, you were drawn to it because it's what you needed to learn, you know, and when we look at everything as learning as part of our evolution, it kind of helps things make sense. So the soul telepathy that I do both using the teacup or, or the chakra, I like to do a combination where I do kind of a chakra reading first, get all the information. And then the teacups are usually just a beautiful metaphor. So I'll get really fantastic images that tell the story of all the stuff that we were talking about. So, um, for example, one of my favorite images is uh, I did a reading for a fellow who his inside just didn't match his outside. Like he in the inside, he was this like knight in shining armor paladin, like, you know, go save, be the hero. And on the outside, he was much more timid, much more. Um, I'm not going to say meek, but it just really wasn't standing in his power. And in in the teacup, as we talked about all that through the chakra reading, in the teacup was an image of a knight riding on a dragon with his arm up in the air. And it was just this like, you know, kind of encouraging him to sort of match his inside and his outside. The thing is, uh, uh, the ones that we believe that time and space do not exist, and time is a loop in a way. Mm -hmm. We are going to repeat the same story over and over and over in this life or different past lives to future past li uh, future lives or past because we're in a loop. Mm -hmm. so whatever we understood or we did not under or we did not got the lesson like a school, I call we're going to be repeating it. Yes. So sometimes we have to bring from the past things to the present so like that we can change our future if we want to see it in that way mm -hmm. i do past life uh, therapy and yes that is important to go to the past to know where the problem started because yes. sometimes we have traumas and things like that mm -hmm. that they're affecting us in this moment in the here and now so this is awesome that you are doing that and uh but what it took you there? Because there is something <laughs> I I came to understand that besides that we have different um, awakenings, something triggers us to start yes. doing our job. So I've had numerous experiences um, when I look back on it now. At the time, it was just things I couldn't explain. Um, 
but I had experiences of channeling before. And um, the probably the most poignant one I remember was in actually in university. Uh, and it's actually kind of a funny story because um, at the time I was a little lazy, I'll admit. I wasn't super into my studies. And I had a partner uh, who was you know, super keen and we were working on a group project and she did most of it. Honestly, I, I, I kept like wanting, but she kept getting, getting to it before me. So we were doing our presentation and the professor wasn't a very nice person. <laughs> she was very hard on her students. And, you know, I remember as each group went up, she'd kind of blow holes in their presentation and ask them questions that they couldn't answer unless they had like intricately studied the, the topic. And so I was really nervous because I really didn't know much about this topic. And what's interesting is that when we got up, and, and I think this is the key, is that as we got up to do it, I felt a bit of guilt, but I felt an immense amount of gratitude for my partner that worked so hard. And I think that gratitude piece is kind of the key, that opening piece for me. That's the, that's the part, that's how I you know, connect to that, is that that place of love and gratitude. So I had this, this moment as we're going up there, I'm totally nervous and scared, had this place of gratitude. And as, you know, we're standing there, everything just kind of slowed down. So after I had this moment of gratitude, everything almost moved in slow motion. And I became intricately aware of everyone in the room. It was like I could, I could hear their heartbeats. I could, I could feel every single person in the room to this like where I could feel this web that just connected us and it was like this totally surreal experience and then I connected to the professor and I heard her saying something but I didn't hear the words I felt the words and all of a sudden I knew exactly what to say so I turned to my partner and I said it's okay I got this and I just started talking and and I just started, I don't even know what I was saying, but I just started talking. And then I saw the professor responding, nodding her head. And, you know, she pushed her glasses up on her nose and sat a little closer. And then at the end, she like clapped and she said, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how it's done. And we sat down and the my partner looked at me, she's like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I have no idea. But I realized that what happened is as I opened myself up in that place of love and gratitude, and recognize the connection to everybody, I actually was hearing the professor's thoughts. So I was somehow hearing what she wanted us to say. And so I just said what I heard and, you know, it, it worked in our favor. Um, and so that was kind of my first experience with, with channeling somebody. And then I had a couple of, you know, mystical experiences where I, I am not a medium. Um, I, I am interested, but I, I it's not something I've opened myself up to yet. But I did have an experience where a close friend of mine had passed and I was with her daughter. And, you know, I felt her sort of part like a curtain in my brain and and pop in and have a conversation with her daughter. And and that scared me because I had never done that before. Um, so I found a teacher and that working with that teacher, her name was Leandra. She's a mentor of mine. Um, she helped me to open up, um, my gifts a little bit more and understand my gifts and, and 
understand that the the download that I got as I was getting, I learned how to slow it down so that I could actually hear it, you know, and then while I was working with her and doing lots of meditating, I had some interesting dreams where I was given gifts, um, which is another whole story uh, of the dream that I had where I was actually given this gift. But this was one thing that in our webinar that we did the other day, um, somebody had mentioned in turn, I think it actually was you, Monica, you mentioned in terms of that collective consciousness and that collective wisdom in the dream where I was given this gift uh, the being that I was speaking with actually embraced me. And when his, he was very androgynous being, but I knew it was male to some degree, but when his head was beside mine um, and he embraced me, I had for that moment, infinite knowledge of everything, the interconnectedness of everything, love, the idea that love is, that is <laughs> that source collective consciousness was I had I had infinite understanding of everything but then he said I couldn't keep that in this form that I knew, could always know that I have access to that information whenever I needed I just couldn't keep it in its entirety in my in my being in this in this incarnation you know um the state of conscience that probably you were there that doesn't mean that your state of conscience would not Increase. Well, and that's what he said was that I can access that at any time. I can access any bit of information and knowledge that I need at any time. It just, I wouldn't be able to hold it in this incarnation in real time in like what I call my skin suit, this, this being, <laughs> you know, um, in its entirety, but I have access all the time. And that's when things really shifted for me. And then as I started doing this work and seeing the impact I could make on people, you know, it's just, it's just grown, you know, and then I discovered I can do it remotely. And then I discovered I could do it collectively for a group of people, you know, and then, you know, I, I kind of have been discovering, continuing to discover. And I feel like there's so much more to discover that I feel like I'm just at the beginning of this journey and yet I've already come so far. I feel like I've just started. So um, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to do this work. That's the, the awesome part the thinking that it never ends the learning. No, or else it will get so boring. If we, it would not continue expanding like the same universe, right? Exactly. And the more I learn and the more I discover and the more I can do, the more I recognize like how much more there is so it's almost like the more I know the more I realize I don't know so it's always an exciting journey yes because you make us feel alive and that's, mm -hmm. that's what I, I I love about this kind of work but I I do have a question um because I know you you work in a school right you're a, mm -hmm. a vice principal, or principal yeah yeah vice principal how do you handle uh, I, I did have to stop. Um, in fact, I, I as an artist, I, I stopped a while back having regular friends. I'm not saying that I don't have regular friends, but the majority or they, in that time they were artists because we can talk in the same language. And later on, when I became in that time healer, I removed the word healer uh, from because it, it felt like I'm taking the power of someone else. So I, that's why I call mm -hmm. myself coach. And uh, but. I know it's very hard now to communicate with people that are close-minded or they're not open to all this. 
and uh, so I, I try to stay more in the in the back. So I know for them I already crazy, <laughs> but I can imagine you working for a school. What a in great any question! Category, and uh, and blend in without being judged by the parents. It's it's interesting because that's such a fabulous question. I'll admit it's exhausting um, because. You know, for a long time in my career, I dimmed my light. I dimmed so that I could just blend in. Now that I'm in a position of leadership and now that I fully, I can't even say I fully stepped into my gifts because I feel like there's so much more, but now that I've stepped into this and I, and I recognize exactly what you're saying, it's, it's a lot harder. However, because I'm a channel And because my gift is being able to read what someone's soul is telling them, I'm able to use that to my advantage in that my one of my biggest strengths is when teachers are upset or kids are upset or parents are upset, which is a lot of what my job is, is putting out the fires. I am able to tap in. And think and just go, okay, what's almost 90% of it is fear-based. 90% of it is that they're afraid of something. They're not actually angry about what they're saying they're angry about. They're afraid of something. So when I tap in, I'm able to feel, okay, this is what they're afraid of. Then I, I'm not, I'm more open now than I ever have been in terms of my gifts, but I don't right away say, oh, this is what your soul is telling me, but I'll work it into the conversation and I'll work it into you know, have you considered da 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 or, you know, and, and one of my strengths as an administrator is that I would say other than two people <laughs> in my career, I have managed to get people to come around to either working together or seeing the other side, or usually by the end of the conversation, we're allies, we're working together on something. So when they come at guns blazing, but In terms of being surrounded by the organization and the institution and all that, that does get exhausting. Um, and I look forward to taking the leap, which I'm thinking is going to happen soon, um, so that I don't have to do that. Uh, right now, um, I have a very ill daughter and I look after her and my granddaughter Um I'm on my own, so it's a single income, and I have, you know, four children, two children I've taken in. They're adults now, but I still help them. And so the financial responsibility is so, is still acute for me. Um, and so unfortunately, I do still have to be in this. However, I am finding more and more ways to marry it um, and use my gifts And I find that people respond, the children, especially I've always, I've, I've always loved working with the children because the children respond instantly, you know? And so even the kids that come to my office, because they're in trouble by the end, they're hugging me and, telling, you know, and, and, and thanking me for, you know, because I, I can hear them. I can hear, this is why they're doing what they're doing. They're not misbehaving because they're trying to be bad. They're misbehaving because they're hurting or they're because, and so I can use my gift and I can help. So as long as I don't allow it to overwhelm me and uh, like, fatigue, like genuinely fatigue me, um, I'm able to tap into my gift and use my gift 
a lot to to be in that. And then I spend a lot of time in nature. When I when I leave work, I go for long, long walks in the trees. I spend time with my dog. I shut everyone else out when I can, you know, and I just I recharge. I do a lot to recharge. I meditate. I do yoga. I, I try to do as much as I can because it is a bit depleting. <laughs> and, and maybe one day I won't have to be there. <laughs> No, I, I totally understand what you're saying because to blend in, we, we still have to do that. But but something that I have noticed more and more and more time have passed, in fact, I even call it when I came out of the closet as a channeler. You know? Yes, yes. <laughs> I was so afraid to tell everybody, I am a yes. channeler. They're going to say that I'm crazy. They were already saying that. So, <laughs> so yes, it is like coming out of the closet, you know, saying, but you know, there's something really important in that in normalizing this, right? Like just like like when you use the analogy of coming out of the closet, you know, it's it's if we can normalize being unique, whether um, it's sexual preference or gender identity or anything like that, or a channel, you know. But if we can normalize, so then you know, at work, I'm a very respected person. You know, I am looked up to, um, I'm a leader. I like, you know, in terms of the school community, I'm respected and looked up to. So when someone like myself who is respected and looked up to says, and I do soul telepathy and I'm a channel and they kind of go, huh, but wait a minute, you're not crazy. You know, and I think it's, it's important that we normalize some of this so yeah. that because everybody has these gifts. Everybody has this connection. Everybody has, it's, it's to varying levels of acceptance. It's to varying levels of experience and exposure and willingness to be open to it. And too many people are afraid of being called crazy so that they don't acknowledge these gifts. You know, um, in fact, you know, the story of how I got the gift, I didn't tell people about this dream for a long time because I was afraid people would think I was crazy, you know? And then now I do share it openly because I think, you know what? I know who I am and I know um, how I am in the world. And, you know, if I can normalize this as someone who is looked up to and respected in lots of areas, then that's gonna help pave the way so that people don't have to be afraid you know, as well as in school, I talk about our intuition, I talk about, you know, when I'm working with children, I'll say, what is your gut telling? You? What do you what do you what do you feel is happening here? You know, and I and I try to get them to connect with that. I'll, I'll you know, and so I think it's important for us to normalize and yeah. not be afraid. Um, but I also empathize and feel myself how scary that is sometimes, you know, because I don't want to be judged. And I don't. But my desire to use my gifts and to explore these gifts and to meet other people that have these or ever, like I said everyone has these gifts but other people that are working in these gifts overrides my worry or concern about how I might be judged right but yeah it's a that's a that's an interesting conundrum for sure yes I I, I teach uh, channeling in, the, in my advanced courses and something that I tell everybody is like, don't think that we are unique. Everybody can do it. The thing is, many people lie to themselves because mm -hmm. they're like, where do you think the inspiration comes from? For an artist, we all, it comes from the same place. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're not more special than anyone. It's like, the thing, people think that this is a, a different kind of human beings when 
all human beings. That's what our experience of being human is mm -hmm. having been that connection, being having that guidance. Well, you I think can, it's like anything, or you can connect to ETs or to same God, or whatever you want. Right? To. It depends exactly. on what are your vibration it is. Yeah. I think it's like anything, like if you have an athlete, right, you, we all have the ability to learn that skill, right? Some people have some natural, maybe talent for it, you know, and they might be able to excel to a certain degree, but everybody can learn that skill, you know? And I think that that's, that's important, you know, that's important. Then you have your private practice as a, As a, how do you call it? So uh... I call it an intuitive counselor um, because a lot of what I do, I've been asked a lot to do coaching and I just, I feel like my job is to open people up to their own inner knowledge and what's going on. And then I direct them to coaches and say, okay, this is, you know, um, well, these are the areas because For me, a lot of the channeling work that I do is very much at this moment in time. This is what's going on. And it's funny because, like you said, we all have the information. Um, most of the time when I do this, they're like, oh, you know what? I never thought of that. You know, but I know that that's right. And it's like, well, of course, it's because you're telling me this. Like, this is you telling me, right? I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is you telling me. Um, so everyone has that ability. And so my job as an intuitive counselor is I just shed light on what's most important, right? Because we're really, really good at lying to ourselves. We're really, really good at pretending this is what's actually happening when actually this is what's happening. Yes. Um, and so when someone who really knows nothing about you tells you what's going on for you, Um, and where it's coming from historically or what's happening, it's like hearing it. Like, even though you're hearing it inside, you can't ignore it when it's coming out of someone else's mouth, right? And so that's why I call myself an intuitive counselor. At some point, I might get into coaching. Um, but at this point, I'm content with the intuitive counselor part. Yes, it is. It is very satisfying when we're helping people. It mm -hmm. is really nice and I bet you what I was reading from you or or your page that you have in, in Facebook you also enjoy helping others absolutely I do and and it, it gives me so I have a few clients that I do um weekly readings for so they're not like the full reading I call them weekly wisdom and so when I do my collective readings kind of I do a collective reading where I just put out This is kind of, if mass consciousness was one person, <laughs> this is like one aspect that's kind of poignant right now, right? And and um, it's interesting because the first time I did that, I was actually told to do that. Someone said, like, <laughs> I was getting my eyebrows done. <laughs> and a woman said, any chance are you an intuitive person? I was like, yeah. And she's like, do you do readings? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I'm, I get messages for people and I'm told you're supposed to do collective readings. And I was like, collect, like how would I do collective readings? Because I thought what I do is channel what there's like, how would that? So I'm like, well, if collective consciousness was one person, what would be the message? And I heard it and I was like, okay, I guess I can do it. So I do a collective reading each week. And then I have a few clients that ask me for weekly wisdom. And so I just tap in for them. And then what's what's the kind of key thing to focus on this week? 
in terms of their own soul evolution and development. And um, so I guess on some level that's coaching, but um, yeah, I, if I can help people evolve, if I can help people overcome their hurdles or inspire them, then, then that's what I'm here for. Something that I know as a Chandler and, and being around Chandlers and also uh, teaching people uh, to channel, there are different kinds of channeling. Uh, the the ones I do, I am hearing and I'm just giving the message. And now it's so automatically that sometimes my friends that know me, no, oh, that's not Monica, that's Maya, my higher self. It's like, because it changed my tone, it changed the way I express, it changed wording and everything. But later on, you ask me, remember when you told me that the last week when I saw you? Like, no. No. Like, I don't remember either. It's interesting. Like, record me. No. <laughs> no, I don't remember either. In fact, when I've done um, intuitive counseling for friends, right? That's always their concern is what if you find out stuff about me, you know? And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to remember. I generally, I'll remember, like, especially the teacup images. I'll remember what it was what the message of the image was, but I don't remember how it relates to their story. So sometimes like on my TikTok or on my Instagram or something, I'll, I'll um, take a particularly poignant image that came out of the leaves and I'll talk about that, but I don't actually remember this, how the story connects to that person. It's just a more general message that I remember from that image. And so, yeah, within a couple of days, I don't remember I don't, because it's not my information. I'm channeling the information. It's not mine. It's not mine to hold on to. Um, occasionally, I'll do a reading where something that is resonating for that person is something that's also resonating a bit for me. Um, and sometimes I'll remember a little bit more about those because it's a message that's like, oh, you need to hear this too, <laughs> you know. But other than that, I don't, I don't remember after a couple of days. So people will often remember when you said, like, no, I don't. That's why it's easier when with, with some clients because you're putting the recording and you just send it mm -hmm. the recording and, and they will remember. But when you're talking with friends, you think we all think that we're having a normal conversation, but it just automatically kicks in and I'm saying something, I'm channeling something that it was meant for them and for me. And that's the problem mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they would think they're talking to me yes. and uh, they're not. <laughs> yes. That's a, a, pro, uh, a good problem and a bad problem. Yeah. <laughs> people do not understand what that's, what, that's what I was talking about is you're talking with uh, people that are not open to that. Yeah. They yeah. think that they got the message from you and, and it wasn't from you directly yeah and so like at work especially um you know because the messages i get while i'm at work because at work i'm surrounded by so many people i do what i call kind of put on my helmet right so i'm still connected i still get messages but it comes in different ways it comes more rather than direct messaging it comes more as almost like ideas, like ask them about this and, you know, um, touch on this idea, you know, and so it, it's a way, okay, I put them at ease. And so I get the information more how to deal with the situation. So, um, you know, because I do have to put a little bit of a buffer on when I'm at work, um, just, you know, less and less. 
I'm finding less and less. I'm able to kind of marry the two a lot more now. Um, but, you know, so the channeling is a little different when I'm at work and that it's more comes at me as solutions or ideas, you know. Something that I do notice with time that I have to also, like you do tell me, let's go to a club that is going to be full of people. I, I just can't do it. <laughs> I can be in huge crowds. I just can't <laughs> do it. Why? Because in the moment I go in to any place that is full of people, I already read everybody. <laughs> and I and I can't help it. It's like I just read everybody. And I'm hearing them and I'm listening to them. And I, like, I, I just want to focus with this friend that I just come. So I, I mm-hmm. avoid places that I have too many people because sometimes I feel overwhelmed. I yeah, me too. The protections and everything, but even then, did you have a drunk person? Uh, yeah, even- I don't. Yes, especially drunk. I don't like being around people that are drunk or or in an altered state. I I find energetically they feel like popcorn to me. I don't know how to describe it, but like I have a popcorn maker that like sometimes <laughs> shoots popcorn kernels out at you rather than in a bowl. And I find some people just feel like popcorn, so it feels like they're like shooting stuff at you and. You know, the only I, I used to love crowds as a as a young person. I loved being in the center of everything. And now give me some trees and I'm good. <laughs> you know, if I am in a crowd, I I it has to be like I, I can tune into the music. Like if um if the music is is good, especially if the music's really repetitive, I can kind of tune everyone else out and just focus yeah. on the music. Um, or uh, like watching a band or something I can maybe do, but not in a big group, but I, I have to be able to focus on the music or the band or, or something that can kind of capture my attention because then I can tune everyone else out. But you're right, I, I can't, uh, I used to love crowds and now the idea of being in a crowded situation, no, <laughs> I avoid I it like the plague. Yes, I used to be the party girl, like I, I can't. Not anymore. It yeah, just me neither. for me. And the more I live in my gift, the more I am working in my gift, the 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 less I can be in big crowds. Which you know, the nice thing is my my school is a smaller school, so it's not a big giant organization. It is a smaller school. Um, I have no desire to work in a bigger school. You know, I like my little school. We've got 200 kids. It's, you know, it's a, it's a nice small setting and I have my office and my office is my sanctuary. Like I, you know, people come into my office and they're like, ah, it feels so good in here. And it's like, I need it to be like that <laughs> because, you know, I go out of my office, I do my thing and then I come back and, you know, I, I need that. My home too has to be my sanctuary. I, I, this is awesome because I wish there were more vice principals and principals and even teachers and so forth in, uh, in all the world actually that they were more into it because then they would understand better why the kid is acting up or having issues at home or whatever they're having because many of them they prefer to have him drug. Oh, it has this sickness, so you have to give him Ritalin, or you have to give him this, or you have to give him antidepressants, or so forth, because they don't want to deal with the kid. Mm-hmm. And they're not fixing the problem, they're just making a bigger problem mm-hmm. in the future. Some of the consulting work I do is exactly that. I haven't, that gives me an idea, Monica, in terms of like maybe some of the workshops. I do teach a lot of uh, educational workshops, I do a lot of consulting work. And that gives me an idea of maybe I need to look at, um, 
teaching people how to tune in and the education realm, you know, a little bit more um, because it is something that I do and I always have done. I uh, didn't know I was doing it at first, um, but I recognize now, like, you know, I've always gotten lots of accolades. People still to this day come and like, you are my favorite teacher, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I wasn't that great of a teacher, but I was really great at connecting, you know? So even if I wasn't super great at delivering all the curriculum exactly the right way, the kids wanted to learn because they felt connected. I created that connection, you know, on a soul level, we connected. And, and so maybe I need to look at, maybe that's an idea that I need to look at in terms of teaching, helping teachers, because they're already there, you know, they, they, they almost need permission, you know, and that I think with education, there's a lot of times we're told we have to do it a certain way. And I think if I, you know, maybe can open up sort of giving that permission that, Hey, listening to your intuition and that guidance, um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you're onto something. <laughs> I know in, in England, they have some schools that they are teaching mindfulness to start yes. the classes. Yeah. I believe that should be, uh, actually in all the schools in all the world. I live yeah, in we do. We do a lot of mindfulness, um, it, at our school, we have what's called the focus sequence and it's like a, where we get the kids connected to their bodies, usually through like like a minute of like really active and then it's and then it's balancing and then breathing and then connecting to and then that reflecting piece and so there's sort of four steps to it but the last step after we've kind of got them connected to their bodies is connecting to that bigger sort of mindfulness I actually have a neat story I haven't thought of in a while but it's so funny Monica because I thought about it this morning and I haven't thought about it in years and I thought about it this morning and now it's coming up again so it's obviously relevant I was teaching grade four and I had a, it was a challenging class. They were a busy, a busy bunch, a uh, busy bunch of kids. And so every morning um, I had what I had read, write, draw time. So when they came in, they could read, they could write, they could draw. And it was like 10, 15 minutes of just quiet time. I usually had some nice music playing and it was like, you know what, we're going to settle into the day and then we'll get started. And usually before the kids came, I did my own meditation for a little bit. Well, I had my meditation music playing and I got called away to the office. So I came, I had to go back to, I had to go left. So the kids were already in the room as, as I was, as I was coming back. So my music was still playing the music that I tended to meditate to. And, and sometimes it's like singing bowls. Sometimes it was chanting. Sometimes it, you know, but it drowned out the noises of the school and just allowed me to, well, this one fellow, this little boy, um, really athletic, very you know, a stereotypical sort of jockey kid, like he played hockey every morning and like, you know, and he was standing by the stereo and just staring at it. And he was like, what is this? And I, and he just seemed like he had a bit of awe almost. And I said, well, it's, it's music I meditate to. And he's like, what's meditation? And I explained it to him. And I was like, you know, well, it can take a lot of forms. You can meditate while walking or while sitting or while drawing well you know and it's a chance for you just kind of to to clear your mind and just open it up to to possibility right and he's like I want to meditate so I was like okay you know and so we we did we I got them to sit and I said whoever wants to can come and sit what's funny it's a Catholic school so I have to be careful because as much as you know mindfulness and prayer and meditation are all hand in hand there are some parents that are quite concerned so I very much just but, said okay you guys are welcome to join or not but we're gonna do this 
And then this little guy, I actually have a picture of him. His parents let me use it. Yeah, like I can, I can share the picture um, with their permission um, of him. He just like, it was like, he was, my thought is past life. He'd done this before because he just zoned in and he just became quiet and his whole body became still. And he had this beautiful, serene smile on his face. And so then his friends wanted to come. And so I had this group of boys that are normally all over the place. Every morning, they wanted to start their day with meditation. And so it ended up changing from read, write, draw to read, write, draw, meditate. And they had a choice. And I'd put on some music. And these boys would sit and meditate for about 10 minutes before class actually started. And it just turned into this really beautiful practice that evolved simply because I accidentally left my music on, you know, because I had to go answer a phone call or something. And it just, um, it's funny because I thought about that. I don't remember why I thought of it this morning, but I thought of this boy this morning and then now it's come up again. So it's obviously a little message, a little nudge that I need to look at, at bringing that in. And I want to think that times are different. Before I remember when you tell people I'm de doing yoga, it's like, oh, that's bad. Mm -hmm. And now it's more acceptable. Yeah. And the meditation too is more acceptable. There is, of course, when you say channeling, uh, it depends on the crowd. I say, sometimes I say I'm channeling angels. Oh, yes, fine. But if I <laughs> channeling ETs, oh, no. You know, it depends <laughs> the crowd you are. Is <laughs> it's funny that you say that, Monica, because my story of my gift, like when I have the dream, when I used to tell the story, I'd say that the being was an angel, right? Because people could understand that and they were okay with that. But actually the being, um, I knew nothing about the Pleiadians at the time, nothing. Um, and the being in my dream was a beautiful androgynous being with absolutely beautiful big eyes and I remember as I was walking up to this being being overwhelmed with the beauty of this this creature and just like and and noticing these eyes and when um I received the gift he said you know this is from my people in order to your job is to help elevate human consciousness with with this gift and and he said the name of his people and at the time in the dream I didn't remember but I knew it started with a p And so when I woke up, I phoned my mentor, this Leandra I talked about, and said, I just had this dream. And, it, and I told her the dream. And I said, he said the name of his people. And it was a letter P, but I don't remember it. And she's like, you should come over. And she, I went to her house and she showed me an artist's rendition of one of the Canadians and a terrible drawing compared to what they actually look like. Like it was, you know, there's no it's like trying to draw a sunset, you know, you can be a brilliant artist and you'll never quite capture, you know? Um, but, and then she said the name and I was like, yes, that was it. That was the name. And, and then she told me who they were and I was like, Oh, and then I got scared. And then I like, was like, okay, well, I can't tell anybody that I got my gift from like a, an extraterrestrial being, or they're going to think I'm crazy. And so I kept that quiet for years. It's only been, In the last two years that I've actually started sharing the whole story. <laughs> and the funny thing is you have, I can't sense in you a lot of Lyrian. Uh, also uh, DNA, uh, the energy of Lyrian. Yes, I've been told that before. And to be honest, I know almost nothing about it. Um, but I've been told that before. 
numerous times. And it's something I, I think I need to learn more about because you're not the first person to tell me that. And I really don't know enough about it. So we have our point of uh, Edu Galactic Akashi Records uh, that were our point of origin because we all come from source. Yes. But our points of origin, and you can be born in certain planet, but have more lives that were more important in another planet that it was not your point of origin. And probably we live in many, many different planets. So yes. we're going to have different uh, parts of different planets because we're a mix. Like yes. in planet Earth, we're a mix. We're not only a pure blood. Yes. The same applies for our galactic origins too. It's That's so interesting because I did a couple readings. I did two readings now where um, uh, one of them, the message I was getting, because he was, he was really struggling with just trying to understand people and his place in the world and kind of, and that was sort of what he came to me for. I don't remember, like I said, I don't remember all the reading, but I do remember this one because the message I was getting was that he is not of human origin, that he was of a different origin and literally trying on being human. And he was really struggling <laughs> with trying on being human. And it was so fascinating because this is the information I was getting from his soul was to like, you know, it was this message. I don't remember all the details, but I do remember because at the time I hadn't fully embraced that idea. And so I get these situations where it's like, well, this is what I'm hearing. So I'll just tell you what I'm hearing. But it really resonated with him. And he was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Like that makes so much sense. And it helped him. Um, you know, later on, he's contacted me numerous times saying like how much that helped him. So we've had conversations, which helps me to remember a little bit more. Um, but I have encountered that where, where the people that I'm reading on that soul level, I'm getting that their soul is not 100% you know human from here and at one point that I found that I had to wrap my head around that but now I understand it and I feel it and I get it and you know it's it's a different perspective it is funny because you're going to encounter earthlings 100% earthlings is just a few the majority were starseeds mm -hmm. from different planets I I believe I have encountered only one or two Earthlings, and the majority of the people that that I cross paths, there they are um, star seeds. They star seeds. Yeah. So that is more. It's common. interesting. I believe that, and I think in my work, it's only been relevant a few times, like in terms of helping the person, because it's come up a couple times where that was the whole gist of the reading was to understand that. Um, and so it's interesting that I think, I think we just need to be open to possibility. Right. And I think that's like the ultimate message is that being open to possibility, that there's so much that we don't understand that we can't see that we can't, that we're not taught, you know, and it, it's, it's just such a fascinating, beautiful world. If we, if we open ourselves it. up to that. You check for Galactic Gagashi uh, Records um, healings and, and more on that because like you do your soul uh, therapy that is from this timeline like, or past timelines from planet Earth you're gonna uh, you're gonna find that the same issue they had I don't know 300 years ago in this planet Earth they had it 3,000 years ago in a different planet 
-hmm. And they've been repeating to this day what have they been repeating for 3,000 or 4,000 or 5,000 years in mm -hmm. a different planet. And they've been repeating the same thing. And once you catch it, and then once you can tell them what is the problem or you can break the contract or whatever it is, mm -hmm. it is then they can shift completely where they are. Interesting. Something I have to learn. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of just getting some energy about that. That yeah, that's definitely. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I've I've often meditated recently, going, "What's next? What's what's my next step? What's 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 my next learning? What's the next connection I need to make? What's the net? You know?" And um, that uh, you've touched on a few things. I think you're the person I'm supposed to be connecting with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you the link of one of my teachers of the Galactic Akashic Records, Debbie Potelli, that she is so wise in this. She's a, a galactic historian, too. Okay. So, yes, you're going to enjoy Wonderful. that. Wonderful. And so you're not, uh, you're not taking uh, teaching classes right now or groups in this area? I do groups, but I do group like collective readings. So what people will do is they'll, um, you know, gather a group of people. Often it's like, uh, like a, like a bridal shower or like a, you know, that kind of thing. And they'll gather a group of people together. Um, and then, you know, I tap in in terms of the collective wisdom. And sometimes I get really specific things for specific people. Sometimes it's very general, but for everybody, like it's kind of the common denominator. This is, you know, as you shift out, it's funny because when I do that, I kind of get like bombarded where it's like all the souls are going, Oh, she can hear me. She can hear me. <laughs> you know, And I have to tease out and go, okay, what's the most important thing for everybody to hear right now. And then I'll get the key. Or one thing I'm really enjoying doing is couples counseling. So um, couples will come to me and I tap in and, and their soul tells me kind of what's relevant in terms of their relationship you know and it's kind of on a soul level so that it's it's um it's not you know I was gonna say it's not just communication but it's if it's communication it's oh this is linked because of trust issues that he has because of this former event and this is why he's struggling to communicate this way so it it tackles the ideas but then it gives that extra layer of this is why and because it's coming from their own souls you know usually there's some tears because it touches on some truth but it's good tears it's like understanding tears it's that you know i always see truth sometimes come out comes out our eyes right when we when we touch on a truth it's like oh you know there's emotion around it mm -hmm. um so i'm really enjoying couples counseling and so at this point um i think <laughs> The reason why, like, I get asked a lot about coaching, like if, if I'm interested in coaching because of my education background and because of like uh, um, my teaching background as well as my, my gifts. But I think, I think I need to heal a little bit from my teaching experience um, in that, you know, I'm a good teacher. I've done a good job at that career, but I kind of got a little burnt out from teaching. And so now I feel um, my calling is more that sort of counseling piece, that, that inspiring piece, that empowering piece. And I think at some point I'll find my way back to teaching. Um, but at this point, uh, on a formal level, not yet. I believe most of us that we started with learning different techniques because there's NFP, um, mm -hmm. SDR, there's thousands and there are so many that I don't even know how many they are. 
I am a, a BQH, that's hypnotherapy, uh, NLP, I do theta healing, uh, life coach. Uh, but uh, something that I have, when I did all that, it was to heal myself. Mm. And mm -hmm. uh, that's why we started. So the one uh -huh. that tracks you more, and you, first it, you use it for yourself, it is going to be your best tool because you're going to understand it better. So you uh -huh. can work with other people. Right. Like yes. I know I'm working in, in, um, in a new certification is uh, cognitive behavior therapy. Yes, yes. And, and I am working on that for first for myself. So then I can help others with the same thing. We can't, yeah. it's like when we were saying about the compassion, we can't have, uh, if we don't understand or live the certain situations, uh, it's going to be very hard for us to understand. Yes. Other people. Yes. Exactly. Yes. I actually just finished my NLP certification as well, because that was something that kind of called to me in terms of that using language and how we use language and especially in the education setting, just like how often we use language. And then lots of times that comes up in the throat chakra, like as I'm doing readings, just how we speak to ourselves and how we can use language. Um, and you but you're right. I think we learn things in order to to work on that. But I think my next is the Akashic Records has come up quite a few times for me recently. I think that's sort of a next exploration for me, for sure. I'm going to send you the link of Debbie. She's mm -hmm. amazing. I, she's a, an amazing human being and besides a uh, and friend, and, and she's a coach, too, now the, in that area. <laughs> yes. In that. So I wanted to ask you before we close, uh, do you have a message for the collective that you would like to give in these times? So my instinct right away is rather than my own message, what's what's the channel message? What's the message for the collective that is given to me right now? And um, what I heard is about uh, trusting the journey and that um, the things that are going on in our lives right now, the things that uh, we are experiencing and um being challenged by um, are the very things that our souls need to learn. So the people listening, um, rather than feeling like I'm hearing the idea of people saying kind of, why me? Why, why is this my situation? Why is, what I'm hearing is um, to really tap into what is the learning here? Not, not blindly accepting, oh, there's a bigger purpose, I mean, understanding that there's a bigger purpose, but the bigger purpose comes, this is what I'm hearing, uh, the bigger purpose comes when we actually dissect the learning that's in it. So rather than just blindly trusting, oh, there's a bigger picture, there's this is happening for a reason, actually take the time to stop and say, what am I learning in this? What is the learning that's here? So um, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting uh, a download on that in terms of um, not just... Um, everything happens for a reason, but what is the learning? What do I need to do? What's the takeaway? Because things become meaningful when we, when we engage with it is what I'm hearing. So engage with your learning right now. So whatever is the, the trouble, whatever is the challenge, the obstacle, engage with the learning um, which will allow you to accept the challenges and overcome the challenges better because there's that engagement, that reciprocity of learning. Um, that's, that's what I'm hearing right now for the collective. 
Thank you so much. And I thank everybody for listening to us. And uh, please click like and share it with your friends. And uh, and I really appreciate you. This is Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love, and we're in Soul Talk. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you for being. Oh, here. thank you. Thank you so much for being being you <laughs> and inviting me to be a part of the little you know the little piece of light of the big light that you shine so thank you thank you so much thank you for joining me today i would love to share with you my transformational system path to the heart that i created just for you head over to monica ramirez warrioroflove.com and you will find free resources in there you can download a master class in how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started